Today is April 15th. I'm Serena, and welcome to the Seven Streams Bible Reading Method. Today we are reading Romans 3.21 to 6.23 from the Lexham English Bible. Romans 3.21 But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being testified about by the law and the prophets. That is, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God made publicly available as the mercy seat through faith in His blood, for a demonstration of His righteousness, because of the passing over of previously committed sins, in the forbearance of God, for the demonstration of his righteousness in the present time, so that he should be just and the one who justifies the person by faith in Jesus. Therefore, where is boasting? It has been excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we consider a person to be justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, also of the Gentiles, since God is one, who will justify those who are circumcised by faith and those who are uncircumcised through faith. Therefore, do we nullify the law through faith? May it never be, but we uphold the law. What then shall we say that Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now to the one who works, his pay is not credited according to grace, but according to his due. But to the one who does not work, but who believes in the one who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. Just as David also speaks about the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, blessed are they whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins are covered over. Blessed is the person against whom the Lord will never count sin. Therefore, Is this blessing for those who are circumcised, or also for those who are uncircumcised? For we say, faith was credited to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised. Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness by faith which he had while uncircumcised so that he could be the father of all who believe, although they are uncircumcised, so that righteousness could be credited to them, and the father of those who are circumcised, to those who are not only from the circumcision, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants, that he would be the heir of the world, was not through the law, but through the righteousness by faith. 
For if those of the law are heirs, faith is rendered void and the promise is nullified. For the law produces wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there transgression. Because of this, it is by faith, in order that it may be according to grace, so that the promise may be secure to all the descendants, not only those of the law, but also to those of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Just as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Before God, in whom he believed, the one who makes the dead alive and who calls the things that are not as though they are, who against hope believed in hope, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was said, so will your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he considered his own body as good as dead because he was approximately a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he did not waver in unbelief at the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to do. Therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. But it was not written for the sake of him alone that it was credited to him, but also for the sake of us to whom it is going to be credited, to those who believe in the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over on account of our trespasses and was raised up in the interest of our justification. Therefore, because we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also boast in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces patient endurance, and patient endurance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, yet at the proper time Christ died for the ungodly. For only rarely will someone die on behalf of a righteous person. For on behalf of a good person, possibly someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, by much more, because we have been declared righteous now by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, by much more having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. And not only this, but also we are boasting in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Because of this, just as sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin, so also death spread to all people because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not charged to one's account when there is no law. But death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who is to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, 
For if by the trespass of the one, the many died, by much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, multiply to the many. For the gift is not as through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, judgment from the one sin led to condemnation, but the gift from many trespasses led to justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and have the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Consequently, therefore, as through one trespass came condemnation to all people, so also through one righteous deed came justification of life to all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in as a side issue, in order that the trespass could increase. But where sin increased, grace was present in greater abundance, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What therefore shall we say? Shall we continue in sin in order that grace may increase? May it never be. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so also we may live a new way of life. For if we have become identified with him in the likeness of his death, certainly also we will be identified with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified together with him in order that the body of sin may be done away with, that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, knowing that Christ, because he has been raised from the dead, is going to die no more, death no longer being master over him. For that death he died. He died to sin once and never again, but that life he lives, he lives to God. So also you, Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its desires. And do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness for sin will not be master over you, because you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that to whomever you present yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to whomever you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? But thanks be to God, that you were slaves of sin, 
but you have obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching to which you were entrusted. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to immorality and lawlessness, leading to lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with respect to righteousness. Therefore, what sort of fruit did you have then, about which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having been enslaved to God, you have your fruit leading to sanctification, and its end is eternal life. For the compensation due sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear Lord, what a delight to read these verses, to know that your Holy Spirit inspired Paul to pen these words, to explain our faith so clearly, to explain the difference between being justified by works, which just can't be done. We have to be justified by faith, and our works simply spill out as a result. Thank you for leading us into the paths of righteousness. Amen. Today we read the finale of chapter 3 in Romans. Romans 3 is not just the heart of the power of the gospel chapter. Chapter 3 of Romans is the main heart valve of the gospel. Bible smuggling was mentioned last week regarding Romans. I'll conclude that comment this week by saying that when only a small piece of paper could be smuggled in, something the size of a 3x5 card, then the core of it all needed to be included. The content was Romans 3. It is a marvel what hinges on this chapter. Christ expels our sin and appeases its effect upon our soul and destiny. Have you heard the new version of Amazing Grace that has the bridge that says, my chains are gone, I've been set free? That song just bursts upon my mind when reading these verses. Romans 3 is good news that makes sense to all of us. Paul makes the crucifixion make sense. It's intriguing that the disciples and everyone else didn't understand what was happening as Jesus was dying. But now we do, thanks to Paul's writing it down for us. In chapter 4, Abraham is the illustration employed here. All to whom Paul is addressing here have top regard for Abraham. The old-school Jewish crew that Paul is addressing specifically needed to understand God's role in salvation by remembering that Abraham was justified by faith, and completely so. He believed and was justified. Done. Circumcision was a ritual done later by Abraham and his son Isaac. Yes, it was the first next thing that Abraham was required to do, but it was done after Abraham was justified. To become children of Abraham, if that's how they were to perceive it, then one simply needed to believe God, like Abraham did. And believing God, like Abraham did, was to now follow Jesus versus simply following Abraham in circumcision. Abraham's faith in God is what guided him, 
not his circumcision. That was only incidental. This is vital, just to put it lightly. New believers needed to be welcomed by the older believers and welcomed into the faith like Abraham was. The issue is not that God made the Jews and the devil made the Gentiles. This two-leveled stigmatism could become so severe that it would morph into a mental template of Jews circumcised and Gentiles uncircumcised. Thus, the Gentiles don't really even deserve to be here, and that it would become a problem that would hobble the church forever. Paul absolutely needed to explain what we find in chapter 4. Chapter 5 is a wow chapter. It is loaded with the verses we memorized in Sunday school and vacation Bible school. It's one of those goldmine chapters with so many good finds and discoveries that it really needs to be gone over slowly and repeatedly. The theological backdrop is that we find ourselves enswirled in a world of sin, living a life of sin. We didn't ask to be born. We simply realize that we are here and it was not our choice. Invariably, we opt to sin somewhere along the way and then cannot undo what we have chosen. Adam, much the same way, had to have a horribly sobering moment, perhaps many, during his centuries of life, when he slumped onto a rock or a chair and groaned, I just ate a piece of fruit. I didn't know it would lead to all this mess. I didn't know it would ruin everything for everyone. Is there no remedy? Will it be this way forever? Adam's choice cements our choice to disobey. Now, since Christ's righteousness is offered on behalf of all, choosing him remedies the fact that Adam's choice brought death. Adam chose death and it extends to us. We can choose Christ for his righteousness and this also extends to us to cancel death. And now on to chapter 6. Life and grace and gratitude and Christ's covering for us are to be our motives in living. To think, hey, I'm eternally forgiven no matter what. I'm free, so it really doesn't matter if I sin a little here and there because God's paid for it. He's already redeemed it. Uh, that's wrong thinking. It is desperately immature and a smack in the face to God who gave his son for us at a costly price. Someone who is thinking this way, and there have been many, is operating in the complete wrong orientation. It's reckless to think this way. It's just as wrong as a rich young kid who's headed in the wrong direction and meddling in crime and says, hey, it's fine. My old man will keep paying bail and the attorney fees. I can get out of any mess. There's no need for me to reform my ways. Why? A net under a high elevation worksite is there in case we fall. It's not installed to be moronically played on all day like a trampoline. Sin has wages that must be paid. Yet, greater than death is God's gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and he must be received by us. We didn't choose to be born. We didn't realize that our sin would lead us to such a death. But it's all true, and it engulfs us. But we do have the ability to choose Christ, and we must do so to cancel our eternal death. And now for the theme for the week, the thread that goes through all of our streams in the Bible. This week's theme is Take It to God. 
In Exodus, Moses is thrust into a terrible face-off with the world's most powerful man at the time. Moses has some serious questions and he takes it to God. We see a Moses who is coming to God and coming against a Pharaoh who is fighting against the God who is about to make a move. In 1 Samuel, David is running for his life and takes each day and each event and each step in his heart to God. This scenario versus King Saul, who didn't come to God for anything. In the Psalms this week, there is such a celebration as David is rejoicing in his Lord. He takes his joy to God, who gives him joy. And when feeling forsaken, David goes straight to God with it. Isaiah tells all who are thirsty, hungry, broken, unsatisfied, seeking righteousness to do what? To come to God, for his salvation is near. The wicked also are called out for their wickedness. Hosea is calling for his wife to come back to him, just as Israel is called to come back to the Lord. Afterward, the children of Israel will return and seek Yahweh their God and David their king. In the book of Mark, it tells of disciples who are called to Jesus. Others are coming to Jesus craving to get to Jesus, longing to be touched and healed and saved by Jesus. It's a beautiful picture, one after another. And then in Paul's letter to the Romans, he explains the thinking of God and the intricacies involved, the theory of what it is and what allows for us to be able to get to God. It's mind-bending and yet so inspiring. It is good news. Remember, there's nothing that you cannot take to God. He can handle it. SevenStreamsMethod.com is the home port for this podcast. Tomorrow, we will transition over to the world stream, circle back up top, and get back into the book of Exodus. Know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Until tomorrow, I'm Serena, sailing with you down the seven streams.